0: How did you handle this pandemic that we're in?
1: This is interesting because literally everybody's so terrified that there's a virus and it's on everything and everywhere. And I've felt like that forever. Like my <laughs> brain, it's not any difference. Like, yes, yeah. there's viruses on every surface. Every person's carrying things. That's how I've always felt. So it didn't really change that.
0: Does it, does it make you feel? does it comfort you to know that people are wearing masks now like does that feel good to you I hate that okay
1: i mean it kind of comforts me because i can go out and be like okay yeah i'm not going to get the virus but then also what i do to like exist in society is i watch what other people are doing and i'll be like oh they're not wearing a mask the world is safe i can go out and now i see people wearing masks and sanitizing their hands and not touching things and i'm like oh the world really is dangerous i was right all along So it's been very harmful, like I don't want to go in public and see that because it's like, oh yeah, OCD was right, everything's dangerous and scary.
2: Hi, my name is Scott Switzer and I am the Cloudsdale. My friends Amy Rudowski, Charlie Yoti, Kat Shear, love fitness as a sport as much as I do. We are all 40 plus master's age athletes who give all we have to lead a healthy active life. We also want to bring you athlete interviews, human interest stories, and all the news surrounding the sport of fitness. If you like what you hear, consider giving us a five-star rating and writing a review. We are also available with full video on YouTube at the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends Podcast, as well as all traditional podcast platforms. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at the Clydesdale underscore fitness and friends. And now off to this week's episode of the Clydesdale fitness and friends podcast. Hey everybody. Welcome to the Clydesdale fitness and friends. My name is Scott Switzer and I am the Clydesdale. And I am so excited to announce our partnership with RX Smart Gear is our newest sponsor to our podcast. I have been a user of RX Smart Gear for a long time. If you weren't with us in the last episode, there is my first ever RX Smart Gear jump rope. Uh, I got this at the 2014 Central East Regionals, and the best part of that was at the time. I was getting about, you know, eight to 14, 15 double unders at a time. Uh, I worked with one of their specialists at their vendor booth at the regional that year. Uh, They taught me some tips and tricks. Uh, I got a rope sized and uh, made for me in whatever color and shape I wanted. And after that, I was able to string together about 30 double unders at a time. And for a Clydesdale, that's pretty darn good. We'll take that in the open. Anything that doesn't like bust up our open workout, and we can just kind of keep moving with those double unders is pretty awesome. Uh, they have a lot of shapes and sizes of all kinds of ropes. They also have grips and gear that you that's that are available. Training tools to help you get more proficient with your double unders, uh, backpacks, duffel bags, things like that. Uh, so check them out at rxsmartgear.com, and uh, we hope you like it because every one of us on this podcast uses use RX jump ropes and uh, we use them to get our double unders down and we hope it helps you too. Thanks a lot. And now we'll get to our latest episode uh, with Jenna Cannon. We hope you enjoy that and we'll talk to you soon. Hey, Jenna. Hi, Jenna.
0: Hi. How are you? Good. How are you? It, I'm great. Thank you so much for joining us. I yeah, really appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, no my problem. Name, my name is Kat.
1: Hello.
0: Hello. And I'm Scott. Hi. Nice And we friend. are just over the moon to have you. I'm really excited. Oh, thank you. Yeah, um, really want to get to know you. How you. Are
1: you having a good day? Yeah, great day. It's nice and sunny outside. Just came in from outside. It was very hot, actually. but
2: <laughs> Yeah, we, we got rainstorms in Ohio pretty bad.
1: Oh, um, really?
2: Like all day, thunder, lightning, the whole bit.
1: Oh, that's a bummer.
2: Yeah, we haven't had rain in a month.
1: Oh, so, well, there like you
2: go. everybody's kind of dancing about it, but it's, it came hard.
0: <laughs> that's great. And I'm in Delaware and we also just had some storms come through. So it's, it was a nice little light show here a little bit ago, but hopefully it'll be quiet now for the podcast.
1: <laughs> My house is not quiet. I have two children running around, so I apologize for that.
0: Hey, that's all right. Yeah. We heard about those two children. We're going to talk about them too. So <laughs> all right. let's just get into it. Are you cool to get started? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Awesome. Okay. So Jenna, um, you know, we all know Heber. This is a sort of a CrossFit-based podcast, right? Yeah. So we know your husband and, you know, me being a fan of his and, and the work that he does, you know, I started following you on social probably maybe a year ago. Oh, um, yeah, to just, you know, get a little more personal stuff about your kids and, you know, what life is like. Um, for you guys. And, uh, I just wanted to get to know you more because you've got a great story. And I know recently you've been talking a lot about, um, some things that you're dealing with, um, with regard to OCD. And I just think, uh, that the more you can reach out to other people, um, to sort of help understand it, I think the better. And I thought what a great way, you know, to help you do that. And, and I'm just curious about it myself. So.
1: Thank you. I really appreciate that actually, because a lot of people don't, A lot of people have OCD and don't know they, well, not a lot of people, but people don't know they have it for a long time. So I'm trying to like bring awareness to it so that they can get help. So thank you. Yeah.
0: And I, and I've learned a lot just, just by following you. So that's kind of the other reason why I want to bring it to light, but want to sort of get started with just your background, right? So tell us a little bit about how you grew up and and where you grew up and and what life was like back then.
1: Um, I grew up in Salt Lake City and I am the oldest of four kids. I have a sister that's two years younger and then twin sisters that are seven years younger. And I'm really close with my sisters. I was basically the the mom. (laughs) My mom had really, really bad depression. So she spent a lot of time in her bed. So I kind of took over the mom role, which was rough, but I know how to be a mom now. (laughs) I was prepared. Um, And My OCD started when my mom was pregnant with my little sisters.
0: Oh, wow. So how old were you at that time? Six. Okay.
1: So it's, a lot of times it will be triggered for people by like a traumatic experience. And my mom was really like on her deathbed sick with my sisters, which as a six-year-old that's very traumatizing, like thinking your mom and your sisters are going to, like these babies, are going to die. Your mom's going to die. I was like totally traumatized. So I developed OCD, which is like kind of a way to control your environment. So I kind of like compensated trying to keep everybody safe. So that was like my role. I had to keep anybody from dying. So from six Mm -hmm. years old on, I kind of was like the protector of everybody.
0: Yeah. And that's that's super heavy. And I think there's a misconception, I think, in the general population about OCD that I always thought OCD was... You have to wash your hands a bunch of times but and you have to lift up the phone switch you know the switch to the light eight times you know in a pattern and you have to go around the circle like we've seen movies yeah where that's sort of been depicted um and so i was surprised and sort of enlightened to hear that you know ocd takes many different forms yeah. and that you've got certain things about you and and your ocd that are that are quite unique or or maybe not unique but you you know sounded weird new to me that i hadn't you know necessarily thought
1: of before yeah so the way that ocd is portrayed is the compulsions so everybody right. with ocd has some sort of a compulsion whether it's something they do like washing their hands or it's a mental compulsion like they're thinking of a thing over and over and over again or so ocd is based on like the compulsions and that's what we see because we don't see the things in people's heads true sure. and the reason why somebody with ocd does a compulsion is to to get an um, a bad thought out of their head, an intrusive thought. So let me give an example. Like everybody has intrusive thoughts. Like you're walking down the street and you think, what if I jumped in front of that bus? Like everybody thinks random stupid things like that. It's just the brain has thoughts all the time. So with OCD, that thought will get stuck and it will not go away, like over and over and over again. Like you think you're a bad person or you don't like, literally it's like a, there's a neural pathway problem So like that thought is just stuck on that pathway and it's like in your head over and over and over again. So then a person with OCD is like, I got to get rid of this thought. What do I do? I can't think of that all day long. It's miserable. So Mm. then they do a compulsion, which could be like, I'm going to make sure I never walk down the street ever again. So I don't ever accidentally jump in front of a bus. Or I'm going to make sure I say 10 prayers in my head to make sure that I never do that. So the reason we do the compulsions is to get rid of those thoughts because they don't have a pathway to get through. Like a normal brain, that thought will come and go. And it's totally normal. But OCD thoughts just get stuck and it's like there's no way to get rid of them without doing the compulsion.
0: Okay. So then, so then what was that like at six years old to have to sort uh, of deal with that, right?
1: So mine I started just developing compulsions kind of based on what I was seeing around me. Like, so my sisters got born in the hospital and they were preemies and they had to, we had to wear masks to go see them. We had to wash our hands. So I developed like, wash my hands, gotta wash my hands all this time, all the time because that prevents people from dying. Mm. So I saw that and it like connected. So I washed my hands all the time. I had to keep everything sanitary to protect everybody. And I think a lot of that stemmed from seeing my sisters in the hospital, like we had to be totally sanitary or else they were in danger. So, that was rough because <laughs> I did some really weird convulsions.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I felt my sister, like, I thought everything was poisonous. So, like, our silverware and stuff, I thought there was poison on the silverware. So, before I would give my sisters food, I'd lick their silverware so that I would get the poison <laughs> in case it was poison. <laughs> and so that they wouldn't die.
0: Save them from your own saliva, right? Yeah. <laughs> By your own saliva.
1: Because I got the poison and then they were safe. Just And oh, then I and then I made my parents taste my food before I ate it because they could die.
0: Okay. <laughs> so did they know this was happening and were you getting any kind of help or?
1: So they didn't know. Well, they swore, saw that something was happening, but right. they didn't understand it. Nobody knew what was going on. It was so weird, like <laughs> some weird behaviors but finally we found a psychologist that knew what it was when i was going into seventh grade he had just been to a seminar about ocd so i think i was 12. so we figured out what it was and then i was able to get the proper treatment for it and medication so then i was i mean it took a long time like a lot of behavior therapy Mm -hmm. but after several years of that then i was great i was able to go on and leave the house i couldn't leave the house for a long time i quit school, and just was at home. So... High school as
0: a as a middle schooler, or as a teenager?
1: Yes. In seventh grade. Well, seventh grade, I went a little bit of school, and then eighth grade, I just didn't go at all. I couldn't leave my house. Okay. I could, went to my work with my dad sometimes, but it was... Wow. ...really rough. Like, because everything was scary to me. I couldn't touch anything. I couldn't, like, be outside in the environment, or else I'd have to go in and shower, like, multiple times, like, wash my nostrils and my earlobes and... It was just mm. too much work, like, everything was too dangerous, so.
0: So how did you spend your teen years then?
1: So I went back to school in ninth grade. I did therapy in seventh and eighth grade really intensely, and then in ninth grade, it was like something switched. I'd figured out enough stuff that I went back to school, and I was great. Like, I still had OCD, but I knew how to cope with it, and it was like so much less. Like, it was on the, like, a, such a high level, and it was way down. Like, it was barely there. It was still there, obviously. I don't know sure. if you can get rid of it. I think some people kind of can. But, so I had a great time for the next, I don't know, a bunch of years. And then I got pregnant <laughs> with my son and it came back so bad. Like really? whoosh. Okay. Really, again, really bad. So,
0: so take us through just sort of how you and Heber met and how, how did that happen?
1: My sister and Heber worked at a call center together and he was doing film for school. So he okay. was doing a little student production, and he needed a lead role for it. So my sister was going to go to his little casting call that he was having. And so I went with her, and that's how we met. I got the role in his movie. Oh, okay.
0: Was it was it sort of love at first
1: sight? No. He had a girlfriend. <laughs> okay. And she was, like, helping co-direct the movie with him. So it was nothing for me. I mean, I, was, I thought he was attractive, but... He had a girlfriend, so So we, I mean, we hung out, we became friends, and then his girlfriend decided she was going to go on a three-month study abroad or something, so they decided they'd date when she was gone, and so he asked me out, and then he didn't date anybody else. (laughs) We just, we went out, and then we dated for the next three years, and then got married.
0: Wow, okay, so you got married in 2009?
2: (laughs) And, and did you Probably. say, did you say Heber worked at a call center?
1: Yes, for, for Gold's Gym. He did collection uh, for Gold's Gym.
2: That is priceless. That is perfect, yeah, <laughs> perfect.
1: And his whole, the drawer of his desk was filled with candy. Every <laughs> candy, like all the chewy candies you can imagine. So I'd ask him how work was and he'd say tasty because he just ate <laughs> candy
0: <on> <laughs> That's great. So did you guys, when did you move to California?
1: 2010, I think. So
0: before you had Maverick. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So take us through that little timeline just to keep me, I'm a very linear. I need the timeline. So
1: (laughs) to keep straight. 2009, we were in Salt Lake. Then we moved to San Jose in 2010. We were there for about a year. Then we moved to Santa Cruz and we were in Santa Cruz until... A year ago
0: oh wow okay and were, are you before you had kids were you working at all
1: yeah i actually worked for crossfit hq doing graphic design
0: oh did you yeah. so you were both there yeah love it oh i did not know that very cool okay. so i
1: moved there and it was like this tiny little office and it was heber and then they had me doing freelance stuff and then i started going into the office and i had to sit on the edge of his desk because there was no space <laughs> it was like the tiniest little cramp thing but it was fun. Just- did you
0: have any input into the pukey graphic at all, by any yep. chance? That was okay. before your time.
1: <laughs> before my time.
0: Because you actually have a phobia of vomiting, oh, correct? Yes, yeah, yeah. So that would be super weird if no, I you did the
1: pukey- No <laughs> pukey we'll- logo. We'll no. Yeah, no. <laughs> so,
2: did, did you graduate from college with a graphic design degree? Yes. I did.
1: Okay. Well, marketing graphic design.
2: Awesome. Yeah. That's really okay.
1: cool. You. Thank you.
0: And you started um, uh, like another website with like coloring pages, activity, sheets. I, did. I Was that part of, how did that come about?
1: So I just, my son loved to do coloring pages. And so oh, I was nice. just kind of like freelancing coloring pages for him to do. And my sister was like, well, you should just put these out for people to see. So we decided to, like, I kind of teamed up with her to run the website because I hate doing that sort of stuff. And so I made coloring pages that went with our, our, we're, we're, we belong to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And we Mm -hmm. have like a, like a lesson plan that kind of goes with, like globally through the church. So I made coloring pages that went along with each week's lesson, but I got overwhelmed doing that. So I stopped.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So let's go back to, so Maverick is born in 2014, yes. um, and, and, you, and up until that point, your OCD was pretty much under control or at that level that you were feeling good and functional and all of that.
1: Yeah. I still had like major phobias of chicken and eating at restaurants like I would do them, but I still had a lot of anxiety about that. Mm-hmm. But it was still like I could live. It was fine. I didn't, I was okay. in a state of anxiety all the time.
0: Okay. okay so then what happened when he was born
1: it happened when i got pregnant with him like i have this okay. person that i need to protect so that protection instinct came back and it like when i was pregnant with him i was like i don't want him to get born because then he'll be in the world and i don't know how to protect him like in my stomach at least i have some sense of protection so it's like i just felt so overwhelmed and ocd loves that wants to be in control so
0: yeah and did you have a relatively, aside from you know, your anxiety, did you have a normal pregnancy? Like,
1: I mean, I was really sick, but that's Fairly okay. really normal.
0: Did it bring you back at, at all to when you were a child when your mom was pregnant with the twins? Like, did that kind of
1: no, I didn't, parallel? I mean, a little bit. I was a lot less sick than her, though. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I was worried that I was going to be sick like her during my pregnancy. Right. I was so much less sick because she had um, hyperemis gravidarum, which you're like, have to have IVs and you're so nauseous and you can't eat at all. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I was quite sick. I had to eat like every hour or else I felt very nauseous, but it was so much less than her that I was like so thrilled that at least By I was in the hospital yeah. with IVs.
0: Okay, so then Maverick's born and then how, do you, how are you handling having a newborn?
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's so hard. <laughs> I mean, I did fairly good, but I literally went into a state of panic. I, my or, fight or flight was on, and it didn't turn off for years. Just, like, never turned off. Which, mm-hmm. like, every time he cried or moved or whined, literally it was like I felt like I was electrocuted. Like, in my hands would have an electric shock and go kingly. Oh, that was exhausting. Oh man.
0: So how did, how did Heber help you? I'm Assuming Heber. he helped you to sort of get through all this and, and so give you support.
1: He was great. Like he got a quite a while off for paternity leave. So mm-hmm. basically I sat in a chair with Maverick and fed him and Heber fed me. <laughs> that <was> <laughs> <it>. <laughs> That's how it worked. Um, so which was life saving obviously. Um, but the OCD that I kept, I didn't actually tell him that my OCD was so bad. I kept that hidden because I was worried he was going to be, well, it's weird. OCD's weird in my, like mm-hmm. people don't understand it. So I was worried he was going to be like, what the heck? <laughs> I didn't sign up for this. This is the worst. So that actually made my OCD worse because I was trying to pretend I didn't have it. Okay. Which he so, knew I already had it because I had done things before, but it was just so much worse that I was like, I got to keep this on lockdown. Nobody can know about this.
0: Yeah. Well, I imagine, I imagine that is scary because it's got to be, you know, a little bit of a burden on your partner, right? If you're having trouble dealing with day-to-day stuff and and needing to rely on them in a way that they may not have expected, right? Yes,
1: yes exactly.
0: Yeah.
2: Okay, so that how long I'm sorry go ahead. no how please. long how long did you keep it on lockdown? like how long did you try to keep it from him?
1: I mean, I just kind of like let little things out a little bit at a time, like ask him to wash his hands after he did something, or but just like little bit by little bit until like probably this past year that I've been like really like letting it all out, all the OCD. But I'm, it's funny because I'm like, I'm doing so much better. My OCD is so less. And he's like, I don't think it is. (laughs) Actually it is. You just didn't know about it before.
0: Right. Yeah. Do you think sharing it has helped?
1: Yes. Oh my gosh. It's helped so much because I used to go out with friends, and I just felt like an alien, like, I have all these fears, I'm noticing every time somebody, everybody touches everything, every cough, every noise, every, like, I'm just noticing so many environmental factors, everything that's happening, and it's just like, I'm in a state of panic, and everybody else is just, like, happy and having fun, so I was, felt like the biggest alien, like, I don't fit in anywhere, because everybody's happy, and I'm miserable. So, finally, when I just, like, started talking about it, I was like, I don't have to pretend that everything's good. Like, I'm just going to be me and it's okay. And if people are offended, then oh well, but I can't like, it was too, I felt too different. So now I feel different, but people know I'm different and it's okay.
0: (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. I've let it out.
0: You talk, you talk about um, OCD being not a problem, but a journey.
1: It it is. What do you mean by that? So I've learned so many like amazing things having OCD how to like be compassionate and to see things from a different perspective um especially be compassionate with myself so I just like get so angry sometimes like why do I have to be afraid or why is it so hard for me to go to the grocery store like it's so stupid I don't want that and so I'm learning to be compassionate with myself and to love myself and then that goes towards other people too like if somebody has a problem I'm like oh I understand like this is hard, but I love you, and we've got this, like it makes you stronger. so it's a whole like it's like a wor- a mental workout. I'm having like a mental workout all the time, and I'm getting freaking strong <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: so so what are some of your what are some of your um, anxieties today in terms of you know your compulsions and what you' what you're sort of dealing with? Do you still get those um, migraines, those sort of terror I still migraines still- and
1: I still get migraines? But the difference is, so I know that I get a migraine, like if I have a panic attack or I get really, really scared, I'll know I get a migraine. And then in the past, I would be like upset, like you got scared and now you have a migraine and now it's going to get worse and you're going to be in your bed for five days and this is going to be terrible and miserable. And now I just say, okay, I got really scared. I have a migraine. It might last for a while. It might not, um, but it's okay. I've survived every other migraine and it's okay. And literally just that change of mindset makes it go away super fast. Like sometimes it will last a day, sometimes an hour. So Mm -hmm. yes, I still get them, but just like looking at them without being like terrified of having a migraine, it's like, it's not a big deal. It's totally fine.
2: Yeah. So a quick question. When when I see what you write like in social media and even talking today, you talk about the OCD almost like it's another person.
1: Yes, it is. It's not (laughs) that's how I think of it. I don't know why a lot of people with O C D do that because it's like an invader. Like these aren't your normal thoughts. Like like I wanna be able to I'm have gotta think of an example. Um gosh, what are some of my O C D fears? Like
0: Let's talk about the egg the egg thing.
1: Oh, the egg. <laughs> That was a big deal. This
0: yeah. was fascinating to me. This is, this I think, the post that made me want you to come on this podcast when I read that. It was fascinating.
1: So I have, I developed orthorexia, which is like an OCD-related eating disorder. So I can't eat anything if I think it's not good for my body. Like, I literally cannot do it. You could be like, this is the last food on earth and you will die if you don't eat it. I couldn't eat it. Like... It I yeah, it's terrifying for me. So I started following um medical medium. I don't know if you've heard of medical medium for my it he's that he has a whole like nutrition thing that he lives by that's helped a lot of people with a lot of mystery illnesses and stuff. So I started following him because I had severe eczema and it cleared my eczema up, so I was like, Oh, I have to follow this It like, imprinted in my brain, like, this is the only way you can possibly eat. If you don't do this, you're hurting your body. So in that it was like, don't eat eggs. Eggs are really, really terrible for you. They feed viruses. They are like the worst possible thing you can eat. So I just stopped eating eggs, like, okay, no more eggs, which was terrible because they're literally one of my very favorite foods, like, I love eggs so but it wasn't that hard because i was like okay i'm not gonna kill myself and eat an egg that's fine that's easy until every day heber makes eggs every morning (laughs) so i just smell eggs every day and be like i can't eat those because it will kill me and interesting Interestingly enough, I think he's fine if he he eats eats eggs, but somehow my body can't handle them. That's one of my OCD things. Like my body isn't capable. I don't know where that thought came from. So I just started getting like not hungry. Like I don't want to eat any food. Nothing sounds good at all. Cause I would have this, I have such a strict like few foods that I will allow myself to eat. And Mm -hmm. once you've been eating those same things for two years, It's like, (laughs) I'm not hungry, I don't want anything. I was just tired of food. So I worked with my OCD coach and she was like, okay, you don't wanna eat any food, but think about it. If you could eat anything, what would you want to eat? And eggs was the first thing that came into my mind. So she's like, okay, do you think you could eat an egg? (laughs) I don't know, I don't know if I can eat an egg. So we went through it, she coached me through it a bunch and I got the courage to be able to eat that egg and literally, I cooked myself the egg, I was terrified, and I took a bite, and I just started weeping. Like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) wow, it was so, like, like, I'd been restricting myself, like, have put myself in this little box where I couldn't do anything, and it was like, I opened the door, and like, whoa, there's a world out there, it was like, the most freeing, amazing thing, an egg, so simple, and so beautiful, oh my gosh, it was, wow.
0: That's awesome. So is it still something you struggle with, with the eggs? Like, do you have to repeat that every time you go to eat one?
1: Yes. I've only eaten them a few times and I get, feel really guilty when I eat them. Like I have a knot in my stomach. Like I've hurt my body. I've done something wrong. So I'm Mm -hmm. working through that. Um, So yes, I don't, I've only had them a few times. It's very hard for me. I was wanting to have eggs today and then I just couldn't do it. Like didn't, didn't, have the courage.
2: So okay. It's so sh- so Heber is known as a breakfast guy, right? That yes. that's like part of their stick with the with the know, buttery the- bros. <laughs> and when you're traveling with him, what is that like going out for breakfast?
1: Oh my gosh, breakfast hard for me. Usually I just bring a bunch of fruit from the grocery store and eat it because it's also scary for me to eat fruit at restaurants because I think it has food poisoning on it. <laughs> so I just bring bananas and apples. Recently, I also had a thing where I could only eat raw. Well, I only ate raw for a very long time, and then it was I could only eat raw until the afternoon. So recently, I started being able to eat cooked food in the morning, so I will have, like, one of those, like, to-go oatmeals that you just pour hot water in. I'll do that. But it's really hard for me to just go and have everybody's eating breakfast and I don't feel like I can eat any of the things. I'm too scared.
0: How did you handle this pandemic that we're in?
1: This is interesting because literally everybody's so terrified that there's a virus and it's on everything and everywhere. And I have felt like that forever. Like (laughs) it's not any difference. Like Yes, yeah. there's viruses on every surface. Every person's carrying things. That's how I've always felt. So it didn't really change that.
0: Does it, but, does it make you, it, does it comfort you to know that people are wearing masks now? Like, does that feel good to you? No, that... no, I
1: hate that. Okay. I mean, I mean, it kind of comforts me because I can go out and be like, okay, yeah, I'm not going to get the virus. But then also what I do to like exist in society is I watch what other people are doing and I'll be like, oh, they're not wearing a mask. The world is safe. I can go out. And now I see people wearing masks and sanitizing their hands and not touching things. And I'm like, oh, the world really is dangerous. I was right all along. So it's been very harmful. Like, I don't want to go in public and see that because it's like, oh, yeah, OCD was right. Everything's dangerous and scary.
0: Yeah, it just kind of feeds into your compulsions and your anxiety.
1: I I don't like that at all.
0: That's interesting. Very interesting. So I read, too, that um, you guys, you went to Wadapalooza, right? And that when you came back, you decided, that's sort of when you sort of came out publicly with your OCD and you started writing more about it in social media and you decided like, you're not gonna live in fear anymore or you know, you're at least gonna make some efforts. Did something happen there that made you do that? Like, where did that come from?
1: Um, I had been writing about it before. I think I just started posting more often after okay. that. Um, And literally it just came from like, so before when I did first my initial post about OCD, I was driving home and like, I had this like inspiration, like, yes, I'm afraid of all all the time, but I'm stronger than that. And so I just felt like I should get that out there because there's a lot of people that have these things holding them back, but we're all so much stronger than we know. So I started writing about it then just to like, get it out there that we're stronger than we think we are. And I wanted other people to realize that just for some inspiration. And then at Wadapalooza, I was really feeling like an alien and, and just being out with a bunch of people, like feeling like an alien. So I was like, I can't be an alien anymore. If I share more about this, then at least people will know that I'm no weirdo, but it's okay. So I think that was kind of the trigger from Wadapalooza. Like I just wanted to not feel like I was hiding out in the open if that makes any sense.
0: Mm. Yeah. So you were just really uncomfortable being around that that chaotic sort of environment, and you thought, like, this has to, I have to get better at this.
1: Yeah. And if I just tell people, like, if people are aware that I'm anxious in this situation, then I won't have to pretend that I'm okay, and it won't be, like, hidden inside that, like, festering, making me feel even more anxious. Mm-hmm. Yes.
0: How do you deal with Heber traveling so off so much? Cause I'm, I'm sure you don't get to come, you don't get to go with them all the time. Yeah. Um,
1: right. it's hard. It was a lot harder when we were in Santa Cruz because I didn't have any family around. So, um, we're in Utah now and my parents are here and his parents are here. And so it's not, I've gotten kind of used to it, I guess we just mm-hmm. hang out with our family and it's fine. I mean, it's, The hardest part for me originally was he would travel and then I see his blogs and he's having so much fun and I would feel jealous because I would want to go but at the same time it's so scary and hard for me to travel that I was like, I can't actually do that stuff. I can't go out and travel with him and have all those fun times because it's too hard. I have too bad of anxiety. So that was the worst part that I've come to terms with, like, it's okay. (laughs) I'm getting better, my OCD is getting better and then I can do those things eventually. And for right now, like, I'm glad that he can go and do those fun activities where I can't. It's just too hard for me. My anxiety is too bad.
0: And when he comes home, do you just want to, like, decontaminate him before he gets, (laughs) before he touches everybody? Yes. Yes, I do. (laughs) Okay. <laughs> you know, you know what's funny? So Scott and I were at the where you were in Fort Wayne this week uh this past week and uh you know and and Heber was there and I had the opportunity to spend a little time with him and Mars and 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 Julian at um like the after party. And uh he's he's really kind of introverted. Heber is? I he- thought so. I felt like and maybe it was just because it was a long weekend and he had, you know, expended all that energy, but I feel like if he doesn't know you very well, like he's just kind of a little more low key.
1: He's an, so he's like an introvert extrovert and he's very good. Like he's a show person. Right. So he'll put on a show like that and he can have all the energy in the world and be outgoing and excited if like he needs to for a show. But otherwise I think he just kind of observes. So yeah, Yeah,
0: exactly. And that's the, the case. Like the environment that we were in there weren't, you know, fans there. It was just people hanging out, having dinner, you know, having a good time. And he was very subdued. And I just, yeah. you know, I was kind of looking over, waiting for him to sort of, you know, <laughs> he's a
1: lot colder than you expect. Yes. Yeah. He's yeah. like very, very, very high energy, but then he's like very down to earth and calm and you can sit and have a conversation with him. So it's not like, He's insane, cra- high energy all the time, which would drive me crazy because um, yeah. Well,
0: and I think I think people that didn't know him would, would assume that just based on yes. his sort of persona in the in, in the media.
1: And he he is very excitable. Like he, if he's excited <laughs> about something, oh man, the energy level is way up there. So, yeah.
0: so I, I got to ask just some silly questions. So, there's what's the deal with getting dressed up in fancy clothes on tax day? What is that about?
1: He has to put on his accounting socks and shoes. <laughs> so ah,
0: I see. Like okay.
1: I have no idea where that started. But one day it was like, hey, we got to do our taxes now. And he came down wearing fancy socks. That's like, okay. <laughs> Perfect.
0: That is great. That is great. And are, are dinosaurs still a big part of the boys' lives? Yeah.
1: Yes, they're outside being dinosaurs right now. So okay. it's all about dinosaurs in our family. Oh, we're gonna watch Jurassic Park tonight. They've never seen it before. It's oh, the fun. most exciting thing they've ever experienced in their lives. So,
2: the the original, yes. Oh, wow.
1: Hopefully, they sleep because I'm worried they're gonna have to. But <laughs> they say they're ready, they've been insisting they're ready. So, we'll see how that oh, goes. that's
0: great. Are you do you guys want any more kids?
1: Yes, I want a girl, but okay. Oh man, the whole pregnancy, having a baby OCD thing is terrible. <laughs> so we'll see.
0: <laughs> well, it sounds like you're in a, you know, in a better place and starting, you know, sorting, evolving with, with everything. And, you know, maybe, maybe it's not going to be as bad. Yeah. I'm
1: hoping, like, I'm finding that like running away from OCD and trying to avoid it and not have it makes it worse and I'm not saying like I'm going to embrace it and wash my hands all the time. But if I'm like compassionate, like, okay, yes, this is scary. And that's okay. You can do scary things. Then it kind of subsides and it's not so bad. So mm-hmm. I'm going that route, like just barreling into the OCD and it seems like it's working. So.
2: So I have a quick question. You were in uh, the video blog with Steve cook yes. where you guys blew up your biceps <laughs> and going into that, you were, you were really kind of, standoffish um and didn't really want to participate but then like you were very successful in that endeavor did did, was there did you feel that change and did it give you confidence at the end
1: yes yes actually it did a lot at the beginning i was like i don't want to be involved i have tiny little arms i don't want to like (laughs) i'm not a fitness person like i like to exercise but that's not my thing and then they were doing it, and Demi was doing her curls, and I was like, well, I can curl the same amount of weight as she can, so I guess, guess maybe I'll join in a little bit. So I started doing a little bit, and I still felt silly, but I was like, who cares? I'm just going to have fun. I like changed my mindset. like It doesn't matter that I have tiny arms. Other people have tiny arms, too. I'm just going to enjoy myself. And when I had that mind shift, then I was able to jump in and have fun, although I really was terrified that my veins were going to bust. I was <laughs> so scared. <laughs> but it was fun. Absolutely. Yeah. You
2: looked like you were having a a really good time on that one.
1: Yes, yeah. I when once I kind of shifted my perception, then I was able to have fun.
0: Now, where did the uh where did the high honey come from?
1: <laughs> Marston started that. He said that in Beauty. one okay. of the episodes and Heber and Finley and I were watching the episode and Marston said it and Finley started laughing hysterically and we're like, why are you laughing? And he said, he just said hi to that sticky brown stuff. Oh, <laughs> that's cute. So then we love that so much. Heber just started saying it all the time, too.
0: It's sweet. I, I mean, every time he says it too, I, I, you know, I assume it's for you guys and it's just it's really endearing.
1: I said, I said the Hebrew one time, I said, every time you say, hi, honey, I'm just imagining you're really saying it to me. And he said, well, I am saying it to you. That's what yeah. it's for.
0: <laughs> I think that's what we're all imagining too. So <laughs> he got you there. Um, let's talk about your piano. Are you playing? Oh,
1: I play the piano. I love the piano. That's like my go-to if I'm sad or upset or whatever. I play the piano. I write music actually. One day I'm going to start sharing Oh, <laughs> really? Yeah
0: very cool what kind of what kind of tunes are you do you like
1: um just kind of like pop country-ish i guess okay i have a songwriter i (laughs) i um I have a problem like I can't play what's written like I have like too many ideas in my head so like I took piano lessons a little bit when I was younger and my piano teachers would get so irritated because I'd start playing it and then I just create my own song and they'd be like no you're supposed to play what's written there and I couldn't do it it was too hard for me because I had too many like other ideas so piano is my I love playing the piano
0: that's neat do you sing yeah awesome oh then we're gonna stick around I want to hear that for sure in the future (laughs)
1: All right. That would be that would be
0: really cool. So talk a little bit about your faith and how maybe that's come into play with you sort of dealing with your anxiety.
1: That's like my big one of my biggest helps. Like when I'm having a very big, like, anxious experience, I just have to step back and think, Heavenly Father is in charge. Like, it doesn't matter what the outcome is, like he's not like oh, I'm going to punish you. He's not like a mean God who's trying to make us suffer. So if I step back and remember that like, oh, whatever is happening, I'm going to learn something from this. It's going to be helpful in my life. Then it makes it not so hard and it makes me like, okay, I can surrender control and just let whatever happens, happens. And that I don't know how to possibly get through OCD if, if I didn't have that. Like, I don't, I can't fathom how I would survive. Like, Because that's the only way that I'm like, okay, I can let go. I don't have to be in charge. Mm So
2: that's
1: like my base for making it through. Do you ever...
2: I'm sorry. I think that's like an important concept for everybody. That surrendering it over is is hard no matter what you're dealing with in day-to-day life. Um, That helps every time I do it. It's just so hard to take that step.
1: It's so hard to surrender, right? But then it's like, oh, wait it feels so much lighter now because uh, you're, you don't have to control everything, but yes, it's, it's hard. Yeah.
0: So Jenna, you mentioned you have a, you have an OCD coach. Is that different than a psychiatrist, a psychologist?
1: Yes. So she, um, so this coach that I have, she's a naturopath and she has OCD. So she went through this whole process of like trying to, well, she didn't find out she had OCD for tons of years. And her story was like so hard. Like it's so sad when people don't know they have OCD. So she discovered that she had OCD and then she was in um, studying for naturopathy to become a naturopath. Um, And she was finding that the the remedies um, and nutrition and stuff was helping her with her OCD. And then she discovered that like when she went to the different therapies and stuff, she was learning in her recovery was super helpful. So she combined that all together. I don't know if she has um, any sort of a therapy license or if she's just using all the things that she learned that helped her.
0: How did you find her?
1: I just Googled naturopath OCD because I was like, Mm. I want to do a different, I'm afraid of taking regular medicines. So I was like, I need something different that can help with my OCD. And I Googled her and then I found an article about her and how she had OCD and then she used homeopathy and different therapy to help with her OCD and then she was just combining that all to help other people. So it's like, (laughs) perfect. I would like, I've always wanted to work with somebody that actually has OCD because they can understand it. Because, I mean, as as much schooling as you go to, if you've never experienced it, I don't know, like, yes, therapists are very helpful, but if they haven't experienced it, I don't know how much help they can do if you don't like know what it feels like like she'll be like, I know this is gonna come up for you or this is whatever, because she totally understands exactly my thought process, like why I'm thinking the things I am. So that's been super helpful because she's like, yes, I have that too. And I understand, and this is what we should try. And it, everything she says like, resonates so well. So that's super helpful.
0: And is she is she local to you or are you like she Zoom does, call with her?
1: I do Zoom calls with her.
0: Got it, okay. Cause I'm just thinking like for people that are watching that you know how would they even maybe know that they have OCD? Say they're not diagnosed. Like, what are some of the things that people should be looking for, or maybe in their loved ones, too, right? So, to, to help other people sort of realize what's going on.
1: Yes. Um, so, compulsions is the easiest, like, outward thing to notice on OCD. So, if somebody's doing something, like, are really distressed if they can't do something. So, like, if, like, for a child, if you want to changed up the routine of what they're doing and it upsets them excessively, like they can't manage to do that. That's kind of indication of it. Like changing a routine or not being able to do something um, that they regularly do is a big indicator. Okay. OCD. So like if I wanna wash my hands after something and I'm not able to, like I'm very, very upset. It's very hard for me to do. So, and then doing compulsions, that's usually very easy to notice. I mean, some compulsions are easy to notice, like hand washing or different like twitches, things with like pans, there can be things like that. Like, Mm -hmm. um, trying to think what else, like if somebody, uh, how to tell if you personally have OCD. Like the best way is like if you have a thought in your head that won't go away, that's what OCD is, it's intrusive thoughts that just won't go away. And it could be about like, literally anything. OCD comes in all sorts of forms. Like one OCD thing is if you're driving down the road and you hit a bump, you're sure you've run over a person and you literally can't continue driving. You have to go back and check and make sure you haven't smashed somebody. Um, so I don't know, just having thoughts that are stuck in there that won't go away without doing something to make them go away. Do you
0: almost feel like you're in like a loop.
1: It's, sort a, of? Loop. it's a brain yeah. loop.
0: Mhm. Okay. And is it typically manifest itself in, at, at a young age or could it
1: No. Um a lot of people get it at a young age. A lot of people just get it suddenly out of nowhere. Like
0: hmm.
1: just I don't know exactly how it happens with me. It was trauma, right? But some people just all of a sudden I was watching a video about people explaining their OCD and one girl explained like one day like Suddenly, she just had to sanitize everything and she nothing felt clean, and she had no idea where it came from. And it took her a while to discover that was OCD. But
0: do your boys know that you struggle with it? Are they too young to (laughs) figure it out?
1: They know about it. Um, Finley the the other day said, I'm happy because I don't have OCD.
0: (laughs) Oh, Oh, buddy. We all are, buddy. (laughs) We're all happy because of that.
1: And my other son, Maverick, is always saying, you're going to make me have OCD. I'm not going to wash my hands because you're going to make me have OCD.
0: Oh, that's funny.
1: Well, it's not contagious. So thank goodness for that.
0: Awesome. So what's next for you? What do you think? uh, Are you going to turn this platform into something bigger? Are you looking to just keep going?
1: I don't know. I've contemplated starting. Contemplated starting a blog, mm-hmm. um, and, but I'm not sure right now.
0: I mean, you've got some resources in the family to help you with any of that stuff if you needed to, you know. I do get on a platform.
1: <laughs> yeah, I've been pondering it. I like. I'm like. I want to get. A lot of things seem super overwhelming. Like with my OCD, I have like perfection. That's another um, sign of OCD is perfectionism. Like. the point of not being able to actually function so i have that really bad and i'm just kind of working through that like it's really hard for me to do anything to start anything or complete anything or do anything because i won't have it perfect so i just don't do anything so i'm working on getting over that and once i can actually do things then i think i'll start a blog or something but it's a work in progress trying to actually even do anything like like showering I want to shower and be clean but I would have to shower at the perfect time of the day so I can make sure I stay the cleanest and like so things like that are just hard for me to do so I'm starting to get better like oh I want to take a shower and I'll just go take a shower which is amazing because usually it's like four hours of thinking to be able to actually do it so yes once I can get the perfectionism down I'll expand somehow not sure how yet though
0: well, I'm really impressed that you have a full functioning family and, you know, you're doing as great as you are with, you know, with what seems to be very overwhelming, you know, anxiety. So I just think it's awesome that you are where you are and that you're able to share it with others.
1: Thank you. I appreciate that.
0: Yeah, it's quite
2: inspiring. Thank yeah, I'm, I'm blown away with your strength and the, and the ability to share this at this point. Oh, um, thank uh, you. I'm so glad you came on our show because I think this is going to be great for a lot of people.
1: Thank you for having me. Yes. I hope somebody is like, Oh, that sounds familiar. Maybe I'll, (laughs) maybe I know what's going on with my family member or something.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so where can people find you? You're on Instagram. What is your Instagram handle?
1: Jenna Cannon imagines.
0: Jenna Cannon imagines. Okay, great. Yeah. Well, we really appreciate your time. Um, You've got a very inspirational story and we're constantly rooting for you.
1: Oh, thank you. That means a lot. Thank you. Really? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Thank you so much. We, we, I really enjoyed this, this time.
1: Good. Thank you. It was great to meet you guys.
0: Yeah. And have fun watching Jurassic park. Hopefully oh, yeah. those boys will sleep for you.
1: Hopefully. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> All
0: right. Have Take a great night, Jenna. We'll talk soon. Take care. Bye. Bye.
2: Thank you for joining us on the Clydesdale fitness and friends podcast.